Houston, we've got a problem. Uh, three beers exploded on me in my car, in my driveway as I was about to get out. Weirdest thing. Is it atmospheric pressure? Is it the storm of the century? I don't know. But anyway, uh, I need to get to the bottom of that one. And anyway, we should probably chat in the morning and uh, make some plans. But meanwhile, I got to get my car clean because it just smells like a brewery. Terrible. Later. This is Brain Fuzz. The art, music, and culture podcast with Joe Camusa and Matthew White. In episode 24, beers explode. Joe pays a cleaning fee. The state of the museum experience is explored. Matthew provides the audio pick of the day, and arts road trip destinations are discussed. excitement with beer recently uh two incidents you're at the center of both of them same brewery which is going to go unnamed (laughs) yeah yeah which we're still debating the merits of that but more on that in a moment so the first first incident involved exploding beer yes sir so you consulted, you did online research. I did some online research, a combination here, online research, and uh, also talked with some some friends in the industry. Yeah. Some friends at the Brickstore Pub and also some of the local uh, beer shops uh, that I frequent. And uh, you know, people were a little reluctant to name any names. What I did find out that uh, some of these newer breweries that are switching over to uh, cans since they're the rage now, um, apparently there are companies that it's like a portable, it's a, it's a truck that can pull up and can beer for you while I guess you're waiting for your, your GoFundMe to uh, your Kickstarter yeah. to, uh, <laughs> we need to can our beers. Um, <laughs> And it kind of just cast a little doubt that maybe the uh, these rogue canners didn't know what they were doing, or uh, they were, uh, you know, maybe there's too much, uh, you know, fermentation, or um, why can't I think of the word? Carbonation. Carbonation. Overly carbonated. Really. Um, I mean, I hey, you know, I've bought plenty of beer in my in my day. These were, uh, uh, you know, room temp. And uh, just on my way home, I hear this, like, just heard a couple, like, this pinging sound, which I've heard, like, if you ever go to get your, uh, like, a propane tank mm-hmm. built for a grill or something. Didn't think much of it. And I uh, grabbed the, uh, the bag from the back seat over into the front, and then the first one just, poosh, <laughs> all over. I'm, luckily, like I said, I'm in my drive. I can't imagine if I had been driving, like, down, like, you know, 75, 80 miles an hour, but... Um, and it's just foam everywhere. And wow. literally the top of the bottle or the can, just like right where you would pull the, the topper, popper, uh, it just uh, exploded through there. 
Uh, I've never experienced I that. Have, I, I haven't either. Uh, so it covers the windshield. The little cup holders are like full of, of beer. And it's pouring down rain outside. There is yeah. a massive storm going on, thunder and lightning. And my first thought, thanks to the scientific method, is like, is this atmospheric pressure? Yeah. Is this... That and, was then a... the, and then the second one blows, <laughs> and uh, and I mean I'm wearing a raincoat even, but I mean it just I'm like I'm getting pumped here or something in my driveway. Uh, was it, that was in Twister, right? Right, right. The cans go, and then the tornado touches down. Is that what you were expecting? I, I think so. Then the third one goes, and now I'm like I got to get this out of the car, and yet I mean it's monsooning out. So I'm trying to like figure out, because if the whole thing goes, forget it. I'm figuring my car is going to smell like spring break forever. Yeah. Uh, and I was able to uh, to make it to the porch uh, with these cans. Uh, and, just, you know, and hot, like warm beer. <laughs> so they didn't, so they didn't, they didn't think atmospheric pressure or anything like that. Oh, no, no. Overcarbonation was a theory. They kind of were alluding that somebody con- didn't know what they're doing. Oh. Like they're just maybe pushing the needle a little bit. Uh, you know, I was able to uh, exchange uh, said beers for uh, for another yeah. product. I have since had that same beer, which I think it's a, it's a good beer. But I am a little, uh, a little you know, sheepish about the- to, to put that in, in the car now. Like, hmm. Wow. Um, so then... Yeah. And this, at, yeah. <laughs> to, to add insult to injury. And I was, you know, even then Matthew kind of put the gag order on me in terms of, well, don't say anything. <laughs> like, you know, while we're on a tour that I'm going to suddenly call them out. We're coming back from... In a, so in a previous episode, we did a little mini deep dive through north of Atlanta, a couple of stops, and... Want to thank the arts patrons, by the way. Certainly. In support of uh, Burnaway. But we stop at a brewery. We have a great time. I go home with. We had parting gifts. We were given. Yep. Uh, what are those pints? No, they're more than pints. Uh, the small mid- growlers. The small growlers. So we, we go in with the small growlers and had a little issue I noticed with one the cap. <laughs> It was almost like it was threaded wrong and then sealed, so it was a slow kind of leak. And when I and I noticed my bag, the bag I had it in was wet. When did you notice this? No, probably I uh, noticed it in the Uber. <laughs> yeah. Ah, oh, yeah. Right. Yep. Now it's coming out. Yep. All right. Because the bag was sitting there. Right. And I reach in and I feel wet, but I th- at that point I think it's condensation. I don't think it's real. Then. Joe gets an email the next now, two days later. Yeah, you know, I happened to be going through email, and I, I thought it was this the uh, rate your Uber driver or something. Which yeah. I thought I was like, I thought I already did that, um, and happened to look at it. Notice I was like getting a twenty dollar cleaning <laughs> charge. And I'm like, what the hell is this? <laughs> and I'm back, and I'm, first I was trying to figure out what the hell, and I'm like, okay, yeah. This was, and and our, the irony here is this was going uh, to the Brickstore pub for their 20th cel- their 20th year celebration. So it's just, yeah, it just keeps on giving. Uh, so, I, and, and of course, I contact Uber, you know, customer support immediately, like, my rider and I, like our, our fellow passenger, have no recollection of. I should have contacted you first. As soon as I said something to Matthew, he's like, "Oh, say." <laughs> no, I didn't think anything about it, and I'd forgotten about it. Oh, and as course. soon as I saw that, well, they sent text. A- I was like, "Wait a minute!" 
And it took me a moment, and I thought, oh, man, there must have been more. Yeah. Because I didn't, I mean, it was not. Yeah. I didn't no, lose I, a lot of beer out of we this were little growler. A fine ride. I think we, you know, we we even tipped and uh, extra and uh, gave them a, a fine uh, fine rating. And then uh, then they send me so- pictures. <laughs> like, oh yeah, sorry. Please. It couldn't. It, it really was not. I don't think I, I can ever ride Uber again. I'm, yeah, my rating is just taking a beating here. Well, you're right. Every time I'm with you, something happens. I, I have my rating is. I think I'm four point eight seven. Because it's like an Iron Contra kind of thing, and it's under my name. Yeah. You're just... yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's great. So we're gonna we're gonna post that picture on the uh, in the show notes at brainfuzzpodcast.com. You can see for yourself the damage. It's minimal. It's, it's yeah, minor. It's, I mean, I still feel bad. You know, that's. Oh, I do too. You know, but having I can sympathize. I'd rather I take that back seat with this little tiny. Uh, condensation marks versus my uh, yeah my, right. You know what kind of reminded me of my truck was what? like the scene in Goodfellas when they walk up the bridge <laughs> and the, pink battle, the blood was yeah there. right yeah. I so I, I gave Joe twenty bucks to cover that because I felt responsible. And I was kind of hoping it's going to be Bitcoin, but it was uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> traceable cash. You you were talking about a story earlier this week that you came across oh I don't think I sent that to you I just are you talking about the uh, there was a article in the Sunday Times about uh, like reader not necessarily readers they chose like art world designer you know fabulous people in New York and abroad to their their opinions on like how to fix how to fix or what was wrong with the Met Okay. Are you talking about that? Yeah, that's it. Okay. And um, it's been, you know, if you've on Instagram or anything, a lot of people have weighed in. Mira Shore had some great uh, photos of the actual, with their handwritten comments in, like, Big Sharpie, which is just hilarious. Um, <laughs> but, you know, can't help but agree. But, um, yeah, and I, I don't know. It just uh, is one of those where um, I guess there's a constant uh, conversation these days in New York it's about institutions and whether, you know, there's a free admission or not, and obviously lack of funding and grants and that sort of thing. Uh, I don't know. It just, again, yet another thing that just kind of uh, reeked uh, almost in terms of entitlement, you know, in terms of people, like, demanding of this institution, like, entertain me. People wanting, like, you know, multiple restaurants or hours. Like, it should be open twice a week till midnight. It's thinking, like, no one was talking about the actual issue, which seems to be more financial than anything. There's going to be a new director. You know, they, mm-hmm. they ousted the last. Um, and I think with the exception of maybe one person, no one was really complaining about the art. You know, it wasn't... It, you know, it's that's just like, right. we, need, yeah. we need new restaurants, or we need this, or we that's need, right. and it's just, it's that's like, right. what, do you, what do you go there for? Um, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm just thinking, like, I don't, I mean, yeah, let's face it, museums, well, everything in New York is expensive, but um, it sounds to me like they need to charge admission if they want to continue to be the this encyclopedic uh, don't you worldwide, think, you know, destination. Don't you think, though, that the the larger discussion really boils down to museums are having a hard time competing with all of the content that people are sifting through that they're encountering constantly and 
is it really, in the end, a question of relevance? No, I mean, you say that, you frame that very well. I, I don't know where to go with that, you know, because it's like it's also that why do they always have to keep being bigger and bigger and bigger? They took on, you know, the old Whitney space and yeah. the police goes on. They just canceled uh, plans. You know, you start thinking like, oh, but. And, you know, again, that's why, like, I'm not a director of an institution, right. like that, you know, because I'm just thinking, like, wow, shore up what you have. And, um, and obviously the world doesn't work that way. But it just seems like they just have to have it all. They have to be, you know, have great bars, food, the whole bit. No. I don't. I don't expect. I don't expect that though. When I, I mean, I'm, I'm. You know, you pick your. You pick your restaurant. You pick your bar. You include the museum stop in your itinerary. I mean, that's I don't I don't expect it all to be under one roof. I don't even want it to be all be under one. Well, roof. I mean, I always think too. I mean, it, you're going to pay more, you know, on yeah. some levels. I mean, yeah, I'd say like at the Whitney now. That's yeah, that's a nice. Oh, it is to, nice to hop upstairs. And it is very nice and uh, yeah. expressive. I can say and a beer. But that doesn't get me to the museum. That's not the reason I go to the museum. Right. I and mean, I guess that's what I get back to. Like you know, okay, well then just sit on the steps out front and, and you know that such an iconic. Uh, New York uh, meeting place. Yeah. Um, but it seems like with our political climate, you know, it just seems like every everything is this constant state of outrage. You're right. Yeah. And whether it's, you know, your Uber ride or, or you know, up to this type of thing. And I like, I just still wonder, is it we all just kind of are frustrated with, you know, other, other options uh, and we're kind of, you know, it's because that damn museum doesn't have two restaurants. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is, is it also a symptom of having too much? I mean, we have too many choices. We have a lot of good things at our disposal. And we, instead of being thankful for what we have, we're always, you know. That, and, and I'm all for improving. Yeah, I guess I'm just thinking, like, really, though, you know, if the collection was suffering or. Uh, I have to say, though, it is impossible to please anybody anymore. Right. It's just not. No. Not going to happen. Well, when you when you're able to speak up, when everyone has that voice, and then you feel the need to respond to that, then it becomes a thing. I wonder. Do you think that it'll change um, as societies gain more um, or become more comfortable, like with with this platform? Do they tire of it, so to speak? You know, I'm hearing more and more about. People just finding the value in spending time together and talking. These are very confusing times, I think. Very confusing. So, no wonder to get up in arms over the coffee at your, at your museum. Yeah. PS1 does a great job with M. Wells. That could be a destination. I could see that being a destination, and maybe you would go there and then see some art or... Yeah, but I mean, I think that, don't you think PS1 also is a more, uh, I mean, obviously not as iconic as the Right, Net, of course. And, uh, and in relation to, you know, if you're going uptown, MoMA, Jewish Museum, it's yeah. all kind of, yeah. you know, at least within the... But the discussion was not about the art. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I one person was like, you know, you should think about moving, you know, the way some of the... the Galleries are laid out, that sort of thing. But when knowledge is free, when you have access to all of this information, you can see things, you can read about things, then it becomes about the experience, right? Yeah. 
But I think that notion that everything kind of has to be the same. Do you make that? Do you make the institution bend to the whim of the consumer, or as a consumer, you're like, no, this is just the met with like stairways to like nowhere. Um, I guess that's I guess something I'm kind of thinking about. That I'm also biased. That's some place I've been going to since I'm a little kid. So yeah. I'm kind of like I don't know. I, I guess I appreciate the quirks to some of these places. Yeah, you know, like I did too. Yeah. is not the Met, yeah. and um, and I I just feel like maybe it's just everyone wants this homogenized. It's got to have a you know amazing coffee and food and uh, all these bells and whistles. And I'm like, I just I sometimes wonder if the experience gets you know watered down. I mean, I feel like we've we've touched on this with a lot of people we've talked to. You know what what their viewing habits are, but. Um, and I'm not saying I view every museum as, as a, like a church kind of experience for those of you that have experienced that. But I mean, they are usually quiet. They are, you know. But but to be able to take this this break from our crazy, uh, right. especially in you know New York City, to get out from the horns and mm-hmm. uh, sirens, that's kind of a that's a gift these days. I think. Yep. Um, it is. But you know before. We get to the audio pick of the day. I do need to say just a word from our sponsor, the largest job search site for jobs in the arts. They do a great job with um, job feeds, uh, searches, filters based on geography, based on job role. It's hard enough finding a gig in the arts. But uh, this really gives you another tool. Uh, don't just rely on your networks, your social networks. You actually have a very powerful tool now with artstie.com. A-R-T-S-T-I-E dot com. And now, the Brain Fuzz audio pick of the day. I was surprised when I brought this packaging, this CD, to your studio here the studio complex I figured you knew about Moondog I so our man in South Georgia turned first turned me on to Moondog and it was another recording it wasn't actually it was a compilation and I usually don't go for compilations but Moondog just like Sun Ra what well you know artist intent you know it was like did they intend for these songs to kind of hang together I mean, in this yeah. package? You know, but even as an introduction, sometimes you don't want to maybe get a wide breadth of somebody's. That's exactly why I brought Moondogs, the Viking of Sixth Avenue <laughs> package with me today. Packaging is fantastic. It is. It really is. This was released. Uh, 2007. 2007. John's Records. Yep. And it's um, it really is one of those situations where it provides a good overview of Moondog's entire um, the spectrum of his career. And it, so, if you don't know, well, I'll give you a little bit of background here. Moondog was born Lewis Thomas Harden on May 26, 1916. Actually, I'm going to read from the uh, packaging here, give you a little background here yeah. from the uh, package. 
1932, Moondog lost his sight when a dynamite cap he was handling exploded in his face. So at 16, he switched schools to the Iowa School for the Blind, where he studied violin and viola, piano, and organ. Uh, Moondog commented that his blindness afforded him a musical education otherwise beyond his means. He was taught the intricacies of harmony and musical form, and Moondog taught himself the principles of counterpoint, which increasingly preoccupied him as his own compositions began to take shape. Later, at the Missouri School for the Blind, Moondog learned how to read Braille, and in 1943, he moved to Memphis after winning a scholarship to study music. The following year, he arrived in New York, where he put his Christ-like countenance out to work as an artist's model. He also started attending rehearsals at Carnegie Hall, and it was at one of these that he met the conductor who adopted him, but died before he could fulfill his promise to perform some of Moondog's music. His successor, however, was not so taken with Moondog, and by now Viking from head to foot, demanding dress conformity as the price of his admission to rehearsals, which Moondog declined. So Moondog would show up on 6th Avenue dressed as a Viking because he was tired of being mistaken as Christ. Okay. He had this DIY Viking outfit and he would he was a street performer. He started to his his legend kind of grew as a street performer. He started to make recordings and in 1954 disc jockey Alan Freed began playing Moondog Symphony 1 as the theme for his Moondog show. This is where the story gets really crazy. The composer won legal action against Freed to stop using the name Moondog. And according to Moondog, Stravinsky interceded on his behalf, phoning the judge, do right by this man, he's a good musician. Janis Joplin covered Moondog's All is Loneliness for Big Brother and the Holding Company's first album. Yeah. You couldn't make this up. Oh. Signed to Columbia, um, but here he was still kind of viewed as the street performer, kind of a not a you know you know an oddity. Was he big in Europe? He goes on to be big in Germany. Oh, <laughs> relocates, <laughs> relocates, and I want to say from yeah, actually it says here that um, whoa, 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 whoa. Although he was now established as a New York composer with the likes of Philip Glass crowning him the founder of minimalism, (laughs) Moondog had always felt that Europe was his true spiritual home. In 1974, he traveled to Frankfurt to perform two concerts. Afterwards, instead of returning to America, he decided to relocate from the streets of New York to the streets of Hamburg. Wearing his trademark Viking attire, he never, he never lost the Viking thing. He kept. He was true. How did he know unto, he was looking like a Viking? I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. I've always. I, I don't know if he truly knew what he looked like. If he would have kept. I mean, I'm sure you could put like the shoes. Yeah. Wow. So he, but he died of a heart attack at 83. And during his lifetime, Moondog wrote over 300 madrigals and 80 symphonies. 
80 symphonies. 80 symphonies. So the the um, the recording, the discography is difficult to piece together, so it's a lot like a Sun Ra kind uh, of thing where you don't, you know, and then you get repackaging, and then you get... But um, this one, the Viking of 6th Avenue, is a great... A great place to start, and it. So that's not a comp. It is a compilation, but of earlier works. Of uh, an overview of the entire oh. of his entire career. Oeuvre? I have some favorites. What? Oeuvre, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. I um, that makes people angry. Yeah, you have some favorites. I'm uncomfortable with that word. I'm always uncomfortable oh. with that word. Uh, I think we should be able to play just snippets. Can't you play like 10 seconds of stuff? This is, uh, I don't know, he went after Alan Freed. Uh, let's see. While he was living, though. I have my favorite kind of yeah, it's, periods. It's possible to read that, by the way. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, our man in South Georgia has... He's done it again. He's done it again. He's done it again. Speaking of South Georgia. Yeah. Took a little little field trip to Passaquan. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Dead of summer is maybe not the time to go. Oh. Whew. Technically, they weren't They weren't open. This was a uh-huh. private tour yeah. uh, with some folks. But uh, absolutely mind-blowing in terms of, you know, seeing someone's artistic vision. Yeah. I mean, it's. I think it's on it's seven acres worth of land outside of Columbus, and now it's uh, it's maintained by the Kohler Foundation okay. and uh, Columbus State University. Okay. Kind of are the caretakers. Six or seven structures that resemble like pre-Columbian uh, architecture adornment. It's just it's definitely uh, worth checking out. Wow. Yeah. So I got a little road trip coming up. I'm actually going to stay at 21C in Lexington. I'm going to nice. do. I'm going to be. I'm going to kind of a secret shopper kind of thing. I'm going to get back with you on how this goes. I'm really looking forward to I it. I want to know what kind of art they have in the rooms. I know. I, I'm. I'm really looking forward to the stay and you know just going through the lobby, which you can do and you know experience that. They've got a nice bar. Um, I didn't realize they also have a Nashville location now. Okay, I knew they had another yeah. one. I just it wasn't because sh- somebody. That's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Report back. I'll let you know how it goes and any associated claim fees. Connect with Joe and Matthew and find out more about this and other episodes at brainfuzzpodcast.com. On social media, share your thoughts and comments with hashtag brainfuzzpodcast. Meanwhile, I gotta get my car cleaned. It's just sounds like a brewery. It's terrible. Later.